You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarlane. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. and welcome to this episode of the HR Happy Hour. I'm actually sharing a really special episode this week. We have a webinar I recorded recently with some executives from Infor, and it's on the impact of digital transformation in HCM, the process, systems, and culture. So I hope you'll give it a listen and let me know what you think. Thank you. I'm Trish McFarlane, and just to give you a little bit of background about the people who you'll be hearing from this morning, I am the CEO of H3HR Advisors, and additionally, I have served almost 17 years as an HR practitioner. I have experience buying technology, looking at technologies, and comparing them, and also thinking about the ways that the digital landscape is changing over uh, the last 10 years. And so I work with global companies right now to help them look at their HCM strategy and plan how they're going to prepare for the future. The first panelist joining me today is Charles Cagle. He is the SVP of HCM Development, Strategy, and Operations here at Infor. He is focusing on building and servicing and supporting high-quality cloud-scale solutions within several key areas of human capital management. He also has more than 25 years of experience building the next generation enterprise business systems. And our other panelist is Bill Valente. Bill serves as Infor's Vice President and General Manager of Sales, where he drives the creation of great customer relationships by matching Infor's software to customer needs. After earning his Bachelor's of Science degree in Marketing and an Accounting minor from Bentley University, Bill has accumulated a wealth of knowledge from leadership positions at Exonify, Workday, Oracle, and PeopleSoft, knowledge which he now uses to empower the import sales team to go the extra mile to ensure customer satisfaction. So with that, what we thought we would do is maybe a little different than some of the other webinars you've attended. Um, we decided to minimize the amount of slides, and we're really just going to focus on having a conversation around three main topics um, regarding digital transformation. So first, I'm going to, to start off with Charles. Uh, Charles, since we're talking about digital transformation today and the impact that it can have on an organization, can you help maybe level set for the audience of how we're going to define that going forward? Sure, sure, I can do that. So. Um, you know, digital is a term that gets thrown around a lot, and like with everything in technology over the last, you know, 50 years, you know, concepts come and go and they come again, but this time, you know, under a new name or something to that nature. So digital itself, right, has is not a new concept, right? Our world, you know, started becoming digitized right back in the late 40s and 50s, you know, with the invention of the computer. So we've been using, you know, digital for a very long time. We've seen the shifts from, you know, uh, centralized computing to distributed computing to service-oriented architectures, uh, you know, then we move into web services, you know, and now we kind of move into the cloud computing realm where we kind of pull all of that together. So no, no longer, right, are disparate systems uh, around the globe, but we're really trying to centralize the data to improve our analytics, our data mining capabilities and things of that nature. Uh, we've seen how digital can disrupt things, and I'll, you know, quickly point out the, the, the you know, obvious example that everyone uses as far as if it's Uber or, or if it's any other, you know, organization like that where you can take a manual process, a manual thing of hailing a cab, right, and really by putting it onto a mobile device, by putting it into the cloud, by putting the data at the fingertips of the consumer and empowering them, all of a sudden now they have a lot more choices about what they want to do and how they want to do their public transportation. You know, many of us can probably even remember back in the days of sending a memorandum, right? That's an old uh, term. Uh, if you needed to disseminate some information throughout your organization, you, you create a memo and, and, you know, send it through inter-office mail. Of course, email came in and digitized that. So that didn't mean that was the end, though, of digital for email, right? We continue to evolve to where, where we used to come into work first thing in the morning, have to spend the first hour catching up on our email. 
Now, clearly, it's not like that for any modern-day uh, professional, right? Our email, we have instant notification. We have instant messaging, not just through email, but through IM, through Skype, through texting, so on and so forth. So really, the, the, the shift, the transition, really, from digital now, modern digital, is not just the computing power, but, of course, it's getting that power directly into the hands of people uh, in a real-time basis. So it's taking these legacy processes and figuring out, okay, how do we uh, enhance them? How do we enable them, you know, using some of these uh, tools that I mentioned? If it's the cloud, if it's social aspects, if it's mobile, if it's analytics, how do we wrap those capabilities into uh, the digital processes? So today, right, rather than talking all things digital, which, of course, digital is occurring across from retail to every industry uh, we can imagine, Obviously, today we're going to talk about how it's really affecting uh, HR specifically. So, really focusing in on talent and workforce management, you know, and basic HR um, uh, core HR processes. You know, we've seen even examples of digital right now affecting HR. You can you can just simply look at LinkedIn or you can look at Glassdoor now to understand how digital is changing the landscape. You know, the culture of your company, what people think about your organization. Uh, most often is happening long before they stepped into the front doors, where we used to bring folks into the organization, uh, give them uh, a bunch of uh, tutorials and training and teach them the culture of the organization. Uh, that's really no longer the paradigm that we're working in today. So really, HR of the future, I think, is going to become a lot more like the marketing organization, where they're going to be analyzing tons of employee data, uh, passive uh, recruitment and, you know, talent pool data, and then really creating marketing campaigns that create a specific brand around a specific position uh, for that talent that you're trying to attract into your organization. Uh, so today we'll keep this focused on digital, but also with that context, digital as it specifically rates, uh, relates to human capital management. Thank you. You know, Charles, one thing you mentioned um, while you were speaking was about the, the process that is involved in this. And I know that that's probably something that, that gives people maybe the most anxiety when they're thinking about, you know, you talked about all the disparate systems that we have. And I've certainly fallen into that same, you know, category when I was an HR leader myself and having many different systems. And you just feel a little bit overwhelmed thinking about all of the processes that might need to have tweaks or adjustments or, or even be thrown out, for example. Um, can you maybe talk about some of the benefits of having a well-thought-out approach to your process as you're going into looking at making this type of transformation? Um, not just, you know, I mean, we do this maybe more on the financial side, but can you talk a little bit specifically about that approach for the people management side of the business and what you've seen with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So. That well-thought-out approach and how it's really impacting, you know, your people and your people management, it really boils down to a, a straightforward concept right now. And the shift is this, right, as, as most things with digital. It's taking a centralized function and it's moving the power out to the individual user. So in this case, it's giving employees the power to shape their individual careers, right? Uh, now employees, instead of you know, scheduling an appointment with an HR advisor within your organization to plan out their careers, to ask basic benefit questions, to update their personal data, so on and so forth. Uh, these are requirements now that individuals want to have, uh, you know, full-time, anytime access to. So, you know, modern companies are no longer going to require as much of that centralized focus for some of these basic HR administrative type functions. And that even evolves into now, uh, looking at employees want to understand, you know, what are jobs that uh, match them, right? They want to proactively manage their careers and find out other best fits for them. Maybe they want to do real-time sh uh, shift swapping. Uh, maybe in, in many organizations, you know, the, the job you're performing could take place in seven or eight multiple local locations for an employee. So maybe they want to choose uh, the office that they want to work out of that day. So really they want the the power and the flexibility to be able to choose uh, the work-life benefit, work-life balance uh, that works best for them. So it's really taking 
you know, transforming HR, like I said, from this centralized activity to really something that just happens as part of, you know, an employee's everyday work experience. It's just part of what you do every day. It's not these moments in time where you think about your career and try to schedule it out like you're with a career counselor. Instead, it's part of an ongoing uh, effort that just really seamlessly works its way into uh, your work every single day. You know, you bring up a great point, Charles. That's, that's one thing I think that HR leaders we've struggled with for years. It's like we've always wanted to be there and be the one that's helping to empower the employees to be able to do more. And I think, you know, years ago when self-service came up, maybe that was sort of that, that entry into trying to do that. But to me, this feels like it really takes it to that next level. It, it truly does empower the individual to do this every day instead of, like you're saying, you know, just only looking at it maybe as a scheduled thing or once a year or whatever. Um, as the HR leaders and, and other leaders are really starting to think about the way that, that this change is impacting their entire employee population, are there any important things that you get questions on in terms of, you know, what type of specific um, solutions or parts of the solution would you say are, are you're finding really important for people as they're thinking about some of these people changes? Well, what we're seeing is a lot of times today, right, HR is, is late uh, to the game in, in many of the sectors we service, if it's um, public sector or um, financial areas where they're still lagging in their systems. You know, many companies, their HR systems are holding them back, right? They lack the, the interoperability that's required today in this new web service economy. Right, integrations are painful, so they built together the patchwork solutions, uh, therefore making upgrades extremely painful. Uh, once they detect, you know, bugs in their system, you know, they'll linger for months or even years at a time. And the application really just over time just isn't flexible enough for their customized business processes. Therefore, it leads to highly customized software. Uh, for the HR organization, and this is just something that, you know, over time is, it isn't sustainable. You can no longer keep up with the pace of change. You can no longer take advantage of new features and advancements in technology. We know advancements are happening so quick. So, um, you know, an important aspect of a modern system today, right, that um, we need to always evaluate is how quickly, how easily can new features be rolled out and you know, how disruptive are they to the existing base? You can't roll out a, a feature that completely, you know, changes how an end user is going to use the system. Uh, so if you're going to do that, you have to roll out features that you're able to turn off and uh, the customer can adopt when they see fit. Um, or they have to be so easy to understand, as many consumer-grade applications are, that when you turn them on, there's really no training required to take advantage of them. So those are some of the, I think, some of the key aspects that we need to consider when we're looking at upgrading to an HR solution is how does it fit the profile of those uh, characteristics I just mentioned. You know, you, you brought up a great point as you were, were speaking there um, in terms of disruption. And when I think of, you know, as I'm talking to HR leaders really globally, it's sort of a universal problem. We, uh, we tend to think of disruption as a bad thing. Um, something that's very negative or scary. And really, when I think back to the times where I was in an organization where we were doing sort of those, those um, you know, non-integrated uh, Band-Aid type fixes with, with our technology, um, it, that in itself and all of those multiple customizations really caused greater disruption in a negative way than what I'm seeing today. And uh, and it sounds like maybe from what you just said, it's, it's definitely an improvement. This is sort of that positive way to disrupt by minimizing customization, providing, you know, employees what they need in a way that doesn't disrupt the, the workflow as well. So, um, so I think those are all really helpful suggestions. I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and throw it to you, Bill. Um, you know, Bill, I know in your role you speak with many organizations uh, across numerous industries, and you're hearing and, and seeing probably a lot that, you know, maybe we only see pockets of. So can you maybe talk to us a little bit about some of the most important trends in digital transformation that you're hearing maybe in different industries, and what advice would you give to leaders who are really trying to embrace this change um, and as they think about their approach and how that's going to work in their you know, specific industry. Are you seeing any differences there or similarities that are helpful? 
Sure, Trish. Um, as a matter of fact, I do. I have a privilege of being able to talk to multiple different uh, size organizations in many different industries. But you know, when you try to normalize it, or when you try to look at uh, a broad spectrum overall of what uh, organizations are looking to do at this point, I, I think it falls into three di different categories. It, it falls into operational efficiencies, what you're trying to accomplish there. It falls into employee engagement, uh, and, and, and as well as that, maybe it falls into customer engagement as well. And, and what we're seeing is a trend when we're looking at digital transformation and when, when we're looking at, at this dis disruption that you're talking about a little bit is really about these three different areas, operational efficiencies, employee engagement, and customer engagement. And the tools that we have today and, and the digital transformation ability that we have today um, can address each one of these different categories depending upon what the uh, specific goals of the organization are. So, for example, let's say we're taking uh, operational efficiencies. Um, organizations want to do more with less. And, and we're seeing, and obviously we've seen self-service move forward and put more and more into the hands of the employee. But we've also seen fewer and fewer um, uh, actually administrators in the HR organization because of this. It's this concept of doing more with less. And the administrative functions in, in, in um, HCM systems today really uh, take a closer look at, at uh, empowering employees to do more with less and uh, flattening out the uh, overall administrative aspect of what's necessary uh, you know, with a hierarchical organization. So, so we are seeing the, um, that trend with administrators and, and, and uh, the administrative function um, being able to provide more and more operational efficiency. If we move more toward employee engagement, you know, sometimes at a CEO level, CEO says, look, we, we want to make sure that our employees are highly engaged. We want to do this for a variety of reasons. We want to do this because we want to reduce turnover. We want to attract the best possible talent. We want to make sure that people that work for our organization feel really, really good about the goals and objectives that we have. And, you know, we find a lot of tools uh, within uh, digital transformation right now that we have, but really it's, it's about the cloud being the foundation to be able to uh, enhance and develop around employee engagement. And then finally, customer engagement. Let's say that the goal of the organization is for customer satisfaction or, uh, you know, to give a better customer experience, and we have customers that have been very, very vocal about that here at Infor. How do you distinguish yourself as an organization? How do you train your employees to have that empathetic uh, approach to customer engagement? And there are tools, there are tools, for example, like an LMS system and others that can clearly provide the training and the knowledge that employees need to have in order to be well-trained. Uh, retail, uh, for example, we see quite a bit of that. Um, and anyone in call center, we see quite a bit of that is um, the ability to empower and the ability to help employees, you know, operate in a better fashion simply because they're armed with and tooled with customer experience uh, capability in, in software. Thank you. You know, it's interesting that you brought up the, the customer side of it because I think, um, you know, years ago, HR leaders maybe weren't as focused on sort of that client-facing view, and definitely in recent years, I've started to hear that um, more commonly being discussed among HR peers um, in terms of that impact. And so I thought your example of using, you know, the LMS and how training your employees isn't just about training them for the sake of doing it. It's actually about getting them prepared to have better customer experiences, um, which will help grow the business and, you know, drive the whole thing. So I think we're starting to see maybe with part of the digital transformation, it's actually how you're tying all of those different business aspects together, and it's not sort of working in maybe the old traditional HR silos as we did, you know, in the 90s, for example. So I think you make some great, great points there. That's what's so exciting about this, Trish, is what we're talking about. We, we are talking about HCM, but we're talking about how HCM affects operational efficiencies like it always has, but also how it affects culture and employee engagement as well as the customer side of things. And it's never gone, it never has bled that far into an organization before. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just 
thinking as you're, as you're saying that, too, one of the things we've struggled with in human resources has been, you know, always trying to be that, that business person first and foremost. And that was hard. I think, too, you know, while certainly years ago, you know, moving to anything digital could be scary, um, it's, it really, we're talking a lot about emp empowering the employees. It's really empowering for the HR organization as well, right? Because now we have all of these things at our fingertips, and we really can help make those big business decisions. It's not just about, you know, who goes to a certain training class. So, I don't know, just as you were talking, I'm thinking this is maybe what we've been asking for for many years, and now it's finally here, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, think about all the articles that we see. How do we get a seat at the table, right? How do we how do we get a um, a voice that's mm -hmm. you know louder than just our one department? And and frankly, this is an open door and an open opportunity to be able to do that. All right. Well, we're you know this is it. Digital transformation. Who knew that was what was gonna that would be what it took, right? <laughs> so. Anyway, um, well, thank you for that, Bill. I, I think you've uh, definitely given me and hopefully others on the call, you know, some interesting perspective to think about with regard to uh, the whole process. Um, Charles, I want to I wanna pick your brain a little bit on, um, on something around the process steps. And so as we're thinking about, you know, we've talked a lot about digital trans transformation sort of high level from a business perspective, but what are some of the steps? Like if someone is, is really at that point in their organization where they're really now ready to, to start moving to this type of transformation, um, I know I get this question all the time. It's like, where do, where do I begin? What do you tell people? What are some of the steps that you give them that are helping them be most effective as they make this change? Let me give you just a couple of what I think are the most important, or at least the ones that I've seen you know, customers end up with the most success at, right? Whenever, you know, as with any larger enterprise-wide change, as in a, you know, HR digital transformation within an organization, a new HR system, whatever it happens to be, you know, the mandate clearly must come from the top, right? You're, th these, these aren't going to be rolled out as a grassroots effort, right? Senior management has to understand the benefits of the system, have to understand the ROI of the modernized, you know, HR process before they're really going to make those critical investments. So the, the, the good news is, is the data for that return on investment now is becoming, um, you know, very abundant. Uh, HR no longer really just has to be a cost center. Uh, we're really seeing organizations collect the empirical data that shows how spending less money on finding the right talent or how just improving your employee retention by a few percentage points uh, or getting higher productivity uh, out of your employees because of hiring a better fit uh, for that role. Think of, you know, improved sales figures, you know, across your organization. You know, these types of uh, true hard data, you know, case studies, if you will, are becoming more of the norm. So it's much easier for an HR organization to go to the uh, CFO or the CEO and say, look, I've got a strong business case for why I want to do this. I don't just want some, some software that's just flashy for the sake of being flashy. I can actually show you, you know, how this is going to affect the bottom line of the organization. So if you've got software and it has a goal of really helping you duplicate the top performers in your company or even helping you find those hidden future leaders that are sometimes layers deep within the organization, uh, the return on that sort of investment is in the you know, tens of millions of dollars easily. A lot of times these uh, savings alone pay for the HR system entirely. Sometimes it's a... Uh, you know, HR becomes much less of a cost center, you know, and more into a profit center, if you will. So, you know, that's, I think, you know, some of the first important process steps that you need to, um, you know, take into consideration. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think when, even as recently as maybe five to seven years ago, being able to find information to write that business case was very hard to come by, or often the data was so outdated um, you know, from many of the more professional HR, you know, uh, organizations and whatnot, it would be several years old by the time you're trying to, to maybe put something together. So I, I'm glad you hit on that point because I think there are a lot of resources out there, um, and not just on the M4 website. I know you have quite a few um, 
quite a few data points there available for HR leaders or other business leaders trying to put together those cases. But just also in general, I think the, uh, the data abundance is really making this easier for HR to, again, be seen as business leaders, helping make those decisions, make the business case for the CFO. Um, and that's a scary thing. I know I've been that person multiple times trying to, to go to bat for that. And um, you really do have to be able to put that in some very concrete numbers. So I think that's a great point. Um, along those lines, Charles, are there any pitfalls or anything that you've seen happen maybe where, you know, people get a little derailed as they're, as they're going through this? What, what would you say? Is there one or two things even that you think of that you could avoid? Well, there's the, the trouble I'm seeing right now with some organizations, at least, you know, uh, one of the things, a lot of them are clinging on to outdated HR systems sort of thinking, you know, that this new digital transformation is kind of just a wave, it's, it's going to pass, it's just a phase, and everyone will return to the old, you know, legacy processes of the past. But, um, you know, that, that, that time is, has come and gone, just as many folks thought maybe cloud computing was just going to be a phase. And as we see now, the shift in industry as more and more folks are taking advantage of from just you know, edge applications, non-mission critical applications, where now it's all the way down to your core HR and even your financials, right, being run in the cloud. So, um, you know, don't be fooled into thinking, right, that this is just a short-term phase. This is actually, you know, there's enough traction now where this, this, is, this is going to happen. So if companies, you know, they're really going to live or die by the talent that they're able to attain and retract. And there's always been the war for talent. We've seen the articles for decades. Uh, but right. it's just how we fight those battles, right, that, that, are, that are changing. So now it's a, uh, it's a completely different way to build your brand and to attract and retain employees. And so now we've got this empowered workforce that has tons of data about your organization before they even step foot in the door. Uh, so you need to be crafting those messages, you know, early on and embracing, you know, the, the social media aspects uh, of, really evangelizing uh, what your organization is about, what your culture is about, uh, so um, you can begin influencing uh, that talent long before they're even actively, you know, trying to take a job within your organization. And, you know, one other thing I would just say is even when you're, when you're doing evaluations of these systems, I see it all too often where a lot of times the decision makers sit in, a, sit in the room, they demo for the first 10 or 15 minutes, they see a few flashy screens, or a couple graphs pop up and they say, wow, that's really modern, and then they walk away and then they leave others to try to decide, you know, what they want to do. I would say that um, it's more important to try to take advantage of at least, you know, getting down one level or two uh, within the evaluation and understanding what the software really can do. Is it really extensible? Can it really meet the changing business? you know, the dynamic needs of your business, or is it really just a static piece of software that uh, you're going to be right back in the same boat you are today, you know, five years from now. So you have to really look at the software a little bit deeper, understand the true capabilities. There, the, So many capabilities are being built into HR systems today that uh, one system can do a lot for an organization. So I think it's important to spend a little bit more time to go one level deeper during the evaluation and truly understand uh, what that software can do for your organization. Oh, I think that's great advice. I can I can just tell you so many probably horror stories of, you know, um, colleagues at different companies who are in human resources and they bought software and then they, you know, two or three years down the line, they think, oh, I wish I had a software that did, you know, XYZ, and lo and behold, the one they purchased actually does X, Y, and Z. So, I think you're right. I think having having another layer of people involved who are going to be on the front lines, maybe using the actual you know solution, um, is a good way to see what what's really involved and does it work for you. And um, I think too, it also really highlights the ability of the of the leaders in general, not just human resources, but you know we we've always said we want to use our business skills, and this is a way to do that. It's a way to really show that you're you're able to project and think three years, four years, five years out of what the organization as a whole is going to be doing. So, again, back to sort of about empowering the leaders in this case. So, great, great point. You know, um, you know Trish, I, I have one uh, tactical plug to make on this point, if you don't mind, which is okay. throughout the years I've been doing this, 
I've found that the one area that's consistent in pitfalls has always been project management 101. And, oh, okay. and, and, and what I mean by that is the software never implements all by itself. It's <laughs> always, you, you always need an executive to take ownership of it. You need an executive steering committee and the discipline to review the project plan on an ongoing basis. And I found that every time that kind of discipline is in place, there's always been a successful project. And interestingly enough, if that kind of discipline isn't in place, usually the, the project from time to time might have to be reworked or relooked at or, uh, uh, or, or, or revisited. And I know it's tactical, and I know it sounds like a crazy basic thing, but with the discipline to do it, it always comes out successful. No, thank you for mentioning that. I kind of chuckled because you're right. That's something that, at least in my career, I had never been told before, and it wasn't until, um, gosh, I'd been in HR definitely at least 15 years by the time I sort of started figuring that out for myself. And I would just add to that, and this kind of combines sort of both of your thoughts there. Um, you know, whenever I was going through that, you know, getting ready to implement a new technology, I might have been the executive who was, you know, sort of spearheading the effort to make the purchase and the selection and, and whatnot, and, of course, oversee the implementation and make sure there was enough support. I actually found it pretty um, successful going that one step down and having um, a manager who reported to me actually be the project management owner, um, because not only did that help that person improve their skills, um, but it gave me another, you know, as the executive, it gave me another um, person I could rely on to really keep me on track as well. So I, I would just say to the HR leaders out there, don't necessarily think you have to be, you know, every role as you're going through this sort of a process. Definitely rely on your team, or it could be someone on the finance team. It could be someone on the marketing team. It, it doesn't have to be even a, a direct team member. But, yeah, having another project management person um, keeping track of things is certainly very, very helpful and will avoid many, many pitfalls. So um, I know that we talked a little bit about culture, and, Bill, I want to throw this one to you because I know, you know, culture is something you and I have talked about in the past. It's something I know you're you're pretty focused on as you're, you're talking with all of the, um, the industry uh, leaders that you're talking with. So in your experience, what are organizations doing right in sort of defining their culture, communicating their culture, and is there anything that you're seeing that could help them in, increase the clarity around the culture by using technology? Because that's such a big, big point right now. Sure, yeah, that, that makes sense. And I mentioned a little earlier when I talked about employee engagement that the cloud is a great foundation to do that with. Right. And, and, and before I talk about that, I, I think it, it makes sense to just talk a little bit about the environments that we work in today. If, if you're in a, in a corporate world, for example, it could be a virtual environment or it could be sometimes an office environment and sometimes at home. If you're in a, in a retail environment, uh, sometimes, you, you know, obviously it's, it's people on the floor uh, and thinking about omni-channel or other types of um, uh, training that needs to take place. And then, of course, if you're in a traditional organization, maybe people show up to the office every day and they still congregate in a, in, a, in a break room or they congregate around, you know, the traditional water cooler kind of thing. And, and, and any, at any point in time, either way, if you look at it, employees are always tethered or always have to be tethered um, to the central message of, of um, the organization. And, but, but we do see a trend for a lot more coming and going of employees being much more virtual in, in today's uh, day and age, and, and being able to do their jobs at, at all points in time. And, and that's what I mean by the cloud being a foundation. So if you take a look and, and you start to think about some of the components that cloud can deliver as uh, it relates to culture and how, that can, how, how culture can be promoted, I think that there are, there are really three specific areas. The first area is social, and we, we've always seen, you know, social aspects of um, uh, of the cloud taking over. Charles, um, earlier in the call, mentioned Uber, and, and, and you know, there's a social application. Um, but more, more geared towards culture, you know, applications like, uh, like LinkedIn that we see out there. And, and, and in fact, uh, here at, at, um, at Infor, what we do is we use a product called Mingle, and we communicate, rather than being pushed email after email, we communicate really important messages within our group um, through this product called Mingle. 
in addition to that, I think when you when you start to talk about employee engagement and culture, uh, and what reflects culture, some of the technology that can be used when people are applying for a job, when you're using mobile capabilities to do that, it tells people, look, we're we're a modern organization, we're on the cutting edge of of uh, the kinds of things that we expect. Um, you know, a, a newer, younger workforce or um, uh, a technology-enabled workforce to, to be able to embrace, and that's mobile. But the other exciting thing that I think the cloud delivers around culture and around exploiting culture is something that not everybody thinks about all the time, which is um, an acronym that, that many people have probably heard about, IoT, which is Internet of Things. And mm -hmm. what we're seeing, is, it's really interesting that uh, in the world today, many social sites probably have greater, quicker access to individuals like LinkedIn or like Google. Um, they have access um, through the Internet of Things. And if a company wants to develop its culture and, and wants to promote culture, wouldn't it be interesting if, uh, if IoT kinds of things started to pop up inside an organization? For example, the ability to go into a self-service desk to get more detail instead of talking to a, to a person, looking up what benefits mean, um, looking up what providers can, can do, and you can pop out to those kinds of sites um, or any other type of, of self-service that might take place that are third-party sites. Using IoT uh, and using the cloud, you can pop out to all these different areas and, and you can start to look at what the employee base uh, finds important through surveys, and then you can start to develop IoT kinds of applications that reflect the culture. And that's the kind of thing that, that the cloud is bringing today that we find really, really exciting. Good. Um, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think, too, that's something that you're right. We don't think of as leaders very often. It's how the relationship between IoT and culture is really very important one. And, and it's something, too, I don't think, if you, you know, I haven't Googled it, but I would imagine if you looked for it, you probably wouldn't see a whole lot out there about that that connection. So I think that's really interesting you brought that up. Um, sort of along those lines, Bill, <clears throat> um, and building off what you just said, can you maybe talk a little bit um, briefly? I know we're kind of starting to wind down here um, toward the end, but can you talk a little bit just about some of the um, differentiators for Infor? Because I know you know, for anyone who's a practitioner out there, you know, sort of doing this every day, that's always the big question I had is, what really makes one um, solution provider different from another? And sometimes that's hard to find on just a website, you know, if you're trying to compare. Sure, so, sure. Big, and if I had an hour or two or, or five, I'd I know, love yeah, to delve into it. But I'll try to net it out for you too, Trish. The, um, <laughs> the, one of the things that we've all found in, in the world today is that um, employees uh, uh, actually do appraisals, for example, and that's the individual, you know, individual, um, individual's receiver and appraisal. What, one of the things that we're doing is we're bringing in um, science and we're bringing in what, what we're calling an assessment and scientific assessment about an employee's behavior into the entire HR process. So the example I use is instead of having an appraisal, which might be one person's opinion or a 360 kind of an opinion, we're bringing in scientific data to compare to appraisal information to help place people in the right organizations, where they, where the right departments, uh, where they might feel most comfortable, or where they have a better capability to thrive in. And, and this behavioral assessment data is, is highly, highly scientific, and it's proven over and over again to help do things like reduce turnover, help people train, work on succession, work on performance planning, those kinds of things. So that, in a, in a nutshell, in a, in a broad stroke, is something that's, that's very interesting to us and we think is a differentiator. The other thing that we find is if, if um, your organization is a manufacturer, a retailer, we've seen government organizations, banks, et cetera, look at the combination of HR data with operational data. And we're able to provide that under Mingle, which is our social uh, delivery platform. And so I can look at my operational data, 
in, in those areas that I just spoke about. And I com combine that with HR data. And, and frankly, probably the number one or, or number two line item on a P&L or a balance sheet is salary. So to combine what salary information looks like with operational gross margin kinds of data in the same analytical platform uh, in, in dashboards is really kind of the exciting area that we're talking to organizations about. So it's not just doing the regular day-to-day -day kinds of um, administrative aspects of HR, but it's bringing HR into the operational side of the business. Those are the two big ones, I think, in the limited amount of time we have that, that I can touch upon. That's great. Thank you. I think, too, um, hearing you talk about it in, in very practical terms um, that can make it, you know, very easy to understand how this is used day-to-day. -day. I think, you know, we're talking about sort of data analytics, which, again, can be a very big sort of intimidating topic, and you've just really made it very um, accessible, I think. So thank you for that. Um, I know as, as we're wrapping up here, we want to give some time at the end for questions. So I'm just going to throw out kind of a final question to both of you um, as we wrap this up. So now that, you know, Back to the very beginning of, of this webinar when, Charles, you were talking about Uber and some of the consumer-type experiences. So we know that as consumers, uh, people are getting very, very comfortable with technology um, and using that, you know, in a mobile format and, and having that actually in our day-to-day -day lives. So how are, you, how are you both seeing this change organizations in, could be the way they purchase technology, um, are you seeing that it's having an impact, sort of this consumer-level experience now, bringing that into the workplace? And if so, how would things like relevance, speed, maybe utility of the technology, how is that transferring into the people experience within an organization? So, Charles, how about you first? Well, we are definitely right witnessing uh, this shift right now. You know, and there's really two aspects to it. You know, there's not only consumer grade experiences, but uh, consumer products, right, are now being linked in with the HR department. Simply think about LinkedIn, right? It's nothing that your organization built, uh, but it's something that your organization, you know, heavily relies on. So there are consumer grade products in the HR space that um, your software is going to need to be able to integrate with tightly and understand what's going on, or you're going to be missing out on a huge opportunity uh, to take advantage of that. So there are many consumer-grade applications uh, that HR needs to be aware of, but not only that, yeah, the, the consumer-level experience, right? Why, why are folks, you know, why, why, why are we downloading so many apps, you know, off of iTunes every single day? Well, you know, and your HR software can do the same thing, right? It's bringing like-minded people together. It's folks with similar hobbies or interests, uh, which in the back in the day was much easier when you had, you know, 75 employees on site in one location all getting together and you had your knitting club. But now in today's workforce where we're geographically dispersed all over the world, we're dealing with a much more mobile workforce. Contingent workers are coming in and out. Temporary workers are coming in and out. How do you mind some of those social aspects there? You can look at something like uh, Fitbit, right, in any of the health-related applications, right, that are, are such, uh, you know, in high demand right now in the consumer space. Um, HR organizations are finding ways right now to tap into that space as well. Right to incentivize employees to live healthier lifestyles. Uh, organizations can uh, retrofit, can fit their applications to uh, make employees aware of community activities, community services. At the end of the day, you know it is improving that uh, engagement experience with employees. They feel plugged into the organization. They feel like they're making a difference. Um, you're able to tie. Uh, organizational goals that cascade down to individual employees where they know the project they're working on, uh, the ROI that's expected to drive to the organization. They know they're making a difference uh, with the work that they're doing. Uh, they know they're getting recognized for that work on a continual basis, either via peers or through a management structure. And uh, they're able to see how they're impacting overall company goals. Uh, they're incentivized to live a healthier lifestyle, and, you know, they know their companies, you know, we're much more conscious, you know, today about, you know, green technologies or how we're giving back to our communities. If the software enables those types of activities as well, then I think you've got a fully engaged employee that's really going to, um, you know, 
stick around for the long term. Right, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it all, it all leads back to the engagement and, and really just having people feel valued. I mean, you get great examples there. Bill, what about you? As your kind of final thoughts on, on how companies can sort of approach this? Sure. You know, I kind of personalize this a little bit, Trish, and, and it comes down to usability for me. I want what I want when I want it, and, and I don't want to um, invest a significant amount of time uh, to get it if it should be or if I believe it should be at my fingertips. And I, I think a lot of people are like, like, you know, have the same attitude, especially in the sense where if you go to uh, any website and it, it isn't as intuitive, as it, it isn't as usable, uh, as, as others that you've experienced or it isn't as relevant, you're not getting relevant information. Um, it, it's kind of like the idea of if I can get it online, I'd prefer to do that if it's easy and efficient. And if it's not, then I have to deal with call centers. I have to invest a significant amount of time to get the data that I'm looking for. It's less desirable. So, right. I, I, and I don't think, uh, I don't think our systems today in, in the, um, the HCM world are very different than that attitude, and I think that if um, or people in, uh, are looking at and, and consumers are looking at what's this all about, um, they want the same types of things that they receive at the consumer level and the, the same kind of experience that they're getting at the consumer level. Yeah, I agree. I, I couldn't agree more, actually. I think, um, you know, too, the, the amount of clicks that you're using in your consumer you know, product uh, apps and things like that, it's very few. And so we do tend to expect that same level of, of usability in our, in our workplace uh, applications as well. So it's, it's encouraging to see that it's moving that way, though. It's not something that's, you know, not attainable and, um, and is available right now. So I think that's a very positive, positive step. Yes, so going in that direction. Why don't we uh, open it up? I don't know if there are any questions that have come in yet, but if you have a question, feel free to type that in, and we'll take just a couple minutes. I know uh, your time is very valuable, um, and so we would like to answer any questions that you might have for either Charles or Bill or myself. I don't know, guys. We may have answered all the questions, right, <laughs> in just talking. So, um, well, if you if you have a question, feel free to uh, to pop that in there um, while I kind of wrap up here. Um, please feel free to reach out to any of the three of us. Um, we're so grateful that you um, gave us your time, your attendance today. Um, we do hope that the conversation was a different format that was engaging for you as a listener as you were going through your day, and um, hopefully provided some, some value to your organization as well. Um, after today's event, the browser will be directed to a brief survey, and we would appreciate it if you would give us any feedback on today's webinar um, and how you know, it either met your expectations or how it might help uh, help you in the future. And we will use that feedback in planning any of our future events. Um, looks like we do have one question here that's come in. Um, do you believe the digital transformation in today's world is a continuous process? So, Charles, Bill, either of you have thoughts on that specifically that you can share? Maybe I'll take a, a quick stab at it and let Charles uh, expand as well. but. You know, the, the good news is that it's a transformation and it brings you to the next level. The uh, maybe uh, the reality, I think, is that it's never-ending and it's, it's kind of like all any other system in life or, you know, life experiences is it, it, it never ends and it's a constant um, uh, quest for improvement. It really is a manifest destiny when it comes to, to doing this. I, I don't think you can ever... Um, claim that it's done. I think that at the end of the day, you can claim that you've accomplished uh, a great deal, and then there's always another hill to climb, and there's always uh, a, a greater ability to, um, to go even further. Right. One thing I would just add really quick, too, Kenneth, is that I think, um, you know, having gone through so many of these in my career, um, as technology has, you know, obviously improved over the last almost 20 years, um, give yourself and your organization time to really celebrate the milestones, though, because even though it is a continuous process, I feel like one of the one of the pitfalls 
my organizations that I was part of, uh, and this was in healthcare, in finance, in, and in IT, um, so it didn't matter what industry we were in, we all kind of went through this, is we, we were always pushing so hard. We never really took that time, like, okay, once we got a new technology in, it was starting to be used, and we never really celebrated that. And I wish, in hindsight, that we had gone back and, like, really had, okay, we've met this milestone, now let's really celebrate that we did it, and then, you know, okay, on to the next, um, to, to Bill's point that it is continuous. Charles, how about you? What are you, what are you seeing about that? Yeah, there, I don't think there's much to add to it. It's, it's a fairly straightforward answer. I mean, it, it's definitely yes, right, that the world we live in is constantly changing, constantly evolving. Uh, you fall behind if you can't, you know, if you can't stay uh, caught up. So, you know, it, it's no different in this era of digital transformation. Right. We hear the term disruption all the time. We see companies going out of business. I'll ask you, you know, what you think about Blockbuster. Uh, if you go into your local Blockbuster, you know, ask them if it was a continuous process and if, you know, keeping up is important or not. So, um, yes, it's continuous, and uh, it's incumbent on all of us to uh, stay up to date on the trends and try to keep pace with this rapid change. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, everyone, for your time. Please do uh, the survey. Also, you can see here, you can connect to N4HCM on Twitter. N4 as well as also on, on Twitter. You can find them on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter, at Trish McFarlane, or on my blog, hrringleader.com. Happy to answer any questions and, um, and help you as well. So thank you, Charles. Thank you, Bill, for letting me spring questions on you on the fly. I think it's, it's been a very fun and engaging conversation. Thanks again to everyone who was listening, and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.